to these words of wisdom from Scripture this morning out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 7. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I'm testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I'm giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something, now finish doing it so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. This is the word of God for the people of God. Paul wants to talk to these Christians about excelling. He compliments them about how they have excelled. You heard it in that very first verse. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in love, then after the dash, he adds, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking or in this generosity. As I was reading this passage this week, it reminded me of this story that Luke tells about Jesus when a rich young ruler, a rich young man comes to him and asks the question, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know, follow the commandments. And he lists half of the Ten Commandments. And the self-assured rich young person says, I've kept them all. And sort of begs like, what else? And Jesus says, oh, well, there is one more thing. You could sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And it's like, wait, what? And the story in Luke says, the fellow walked away sad. And I would guess shocked as well. The tenth of the commandments that we find in the Ten Commandments is do not covet. Coveting comes pretty easily to most of us. Greed grows pretty easily in the soil of most of our hearts. And here was a young man believing that he had been faithful in all things when Jesus asked him to reconsider to look again and to think about this role of material possessions in his life. 
The story in Luke goes on to say, even the bystanders, those who are just listening to Jesus, are befuddled, as are the disciples who are with him. And they ask then, who can be saved if that is the requirement? And Jesus gives this little nugget. What is impossible for mortals is possible for God. What is impossible for mortals, for us, is possible for God. If when you think about how to handle your resources, what to do with your money, and you don't have God in the equation, Jesus and Paul are both telling us we're missing an important piece, not only in terms of financial management but in our spiritual lives as well see the story in luke is not so much about how much money this young man has but how much trust he has in god it becomes a spiritual issue in terms of how jesus suggests we deal with our resources we need God's generosity or God's grace to break the bonds of materialism and to experience eternal life and to experience growing in the spirit, to experience abundant life, to experience wholeness, to be freed by Jesus Christ and not bound by our own shortcomings, whether it be greed or covetousness or something other that binds us paul is writing to friends in a sense he's gathered these christians in corinth he's the starter of this group who are followers of christ he's gone away some problems have arisen when he writes back to them in this letter he's trying to deal with several of those but then he begins to address this matter of this financial offering he's asking them to be part of to give money to help someone else in this case the christians in jerusalem but just as jesus directs the yet the rich young ruler back to spiritual things when thinking about money and life paul directs these corinthians back in the same direction in verse 9 he reminds them what's supposed to be at the heart of their lives as followers of christ he says it like this for you know the generous act of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich in his letter to the philippians he says it in another way we read it a few weeks ago the Christ did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but gave it up to come and be in human form, to be God's love in human form among us so that we could see what it looks like to experience God's love in the flesh. Paul directs these Corinthian Christians, when they're thinking about giving, when he's asking them to be 
generous to think about the love and the grace and you could even say the sacrifice of Christ when they're thinking about their own decisions about what to give or whether to be more generous whether to be people of generosity when he directs them back to love remember the word is agape in the Greek agape means not affection or warm feelings but love as action willing and doing the good for the other Paul is saying our generosity as Christians that our human generosity should be fueled by our faith in Christ that should be the criteria we're considering when we're thinking about giving something to someone else not do we have enough do we like them do we know them are they worthy do they deserve it no Paul says think about Jesus and what he did for you and then decide based on that what you might do for somebody else Paul says Jesus offers us an abundant life offers us the riches of God of God's love and mercy and generosity and if we understand that if we receive that then it's to change all of our lives and everything in our lives the clue is Christ gives much to us therefore we can give to others we have the opportunity then to give the others we have the ability Paul's even saying to give to others because God fuels our supply through Christ we have the opportunity to be generous as Jesus was generous in the story from Luke Jesus says to the self-assured perhaps a little arrogant young man who's claiming to have done everything just right okay try this one sell everything you have and give it to the poor now that's not the norm in most biblical teaching more often the Bible talks about giving the first 10 percent of our income or our resources back to God to invest in good through the church or invest in God's work through the church by giving the first 10 percent 10% is a growth opportunity for many. Researchers look at this and ask people how they're doing in terms of giving. We've got quite a lot of research on this now. It almost always comes out the same. American United Methodists know the teaching about 10%, but on average we give 2.5%. So there's a little room for growth little room for improvement you know and so often when we get caught like the rich young ruler wanting to hold on to our possessions as tightly as possible we're thinking about not having enough we're thinking about how do we maintain and control our security but Paul says to these early Christians God is going to give you everything you need. It's the riches of God's glory being offered to you in Christ. Can you move in that direction? 
Can you trust God a little more? When people who do give 10% are asked, how are they doing with the 90? They almost always say, we're doing fine on the 90%. Some say, we just don't even miss it once we began to make that commitment. Some even say making that commitment to move to 10% really eliminated all the other financial stress because it finally helped them get things in order to get their priorities and commitments straight. They often say it becomes less about the amount of money and more about what commitments we wanted to live into. Or you could say it's not so much about resources as it is about priorities. Paul says, Christ came for you. That's what this is all about. God wanting to love you sends us Jesus Christ so that we might experience that. Christ came so that you might have abundant life. Christ came so that you could see the way to go. Christ reveals the riches of life with God in the flesh. Last Sunday, we talked some about humility and this transformation that God is trying to work within each of us. And remember, we talked about it's beginning to see as God sees and to love as God loves is what we talked about as what happens as we're being transformed. A few years ago, when we had a group get together to try to articulate our core values the second one we wrote down says that the Boston Avenue church community sees spiritual growth or spiritual life as a lifelong journey. So if you're not exactly where you want to be in terms of giving, no need to beat yourself up, no need to feel guilty or feel like you're a bad person. Know that you're on a lifelong journey and that God is still at work. And that growth is possible. Growth in faith is a lifelong journey. God has more in store for us. The more we trust in God and follow the path we sense God is leading us down. If you're not there yet, just think about where you want to be. and Maybe begin to take some steps in that direction involve God in those decisions about money and resources and lifestyle and priorities. Ask God for help and direction in this just as you would in other matters, remembering what Jesus said, what is impossible for mortals is possible for God. God can help and God will help. The seventh core value we spoke about when we put down these core values a few years ago was that as a community, we would be people who strive for excellence in service to God, that we would strive for excellence in service of God. And that's what Paul is calling upon these Christians to do is to strive for excellence in generosity. He says you're excellent in a lot of other things, but... How about this offering? Are you willing to be excellent? Are you willing to excel in generosity as you are in other parts of your life? 
We measure that by do we have enough money to do the mission and ministry we feel like God is calling us to, but we also measure that by thinking about are we creating space in our life together for others to come in. I think we're doing pretty well in that area. Since we have multiple services, you may not know, but just the last two weeks we have baptized four children. We'll baptize another in the 11 o'clock service today. We've also baptized four adults who have come to faith. We've had about a dozen joiners just in the last couple of weeks. So far this year, 60 people have committed to be a part of this faith community, new people coming into our life together. Dozens of children have enrolled in our age-level ministries. It's a wonderful sign of excelling in generosity, of helping people come into the family of faith before we close let me just read you a few of the comments people have shared with us as they've come toward our family of faith a family who recently joined simply said our children love it here another said coming to boston avenue has been a breath of fresh air from a first-time guest i'm a trans person I haven't been to church in a long time. And Belinda said, welcome to Boston Avenue. We are glad that you are here. From a person who had been away from church for a while, wrote us this note. When you all offered your church to all of us to gather to mourn Dr. Phillips, I knew that this place had to be the church for me. From someone who appreciates all we're doing to serve the community, when sending a check to the church, wrote a note, I want to do something extra. This is an addition to my pledge. This is us as a family of faith excelling in generosity. You don't see it, but every week we're helping people who are in financial crisis pay utility bill, pay a rent to avoid eviction, fix an air conditioner in these extreme temperatures. Your church at work, loving others generously, excelling, I would say, in generosity. When we're willing to take this prompting of God to be generous with our resources, we find that we are propelling ministry forward. We're propelling the mission of Christ into the world. We're proclaiming the love of God alive in our world today. Your gifts make a difference. Your gifts, your generosity proclaims the gospel over and over again. In this sermon series, I've been asking, who are we in Christ? I would say today what Paul is saying is we are Christians excelling in generosity. If you haven't joined us in that yet, no better time to start than now. We have an inspiration statement we wrote a few years ago as well. I'll close with this. It says, we are a historic church for modern people. Boston Avenue Church challenges people to think deeply, grow spiritually, and love generously. May it be so. Amen. And thanks be to God.